Hi, everybody, and welcome to Will This Be On The Test. I'm Maddie. I'm Austin. And we're here today to talk to you about things that you should have learned at school, but either didn't learn, didn't learn entirely, or didn't learn correctly. Yeah, we have had like a week again. Every week has been a week. Every week is literally a week. This one actually has been shockingly more normal. I wonder if we've just gotten used to things or what? We have Stockholm Syndrome, but with our house. <sighs> it it may, like, you know, torture me, but I love it. Well, we've actually both left the house at some point this week. Don't worry, we're still practicing social distancing. Austin had to go into the office. Yep. And I got a new car this week because last week my car just decided, nope, I'm done. So I got a car delivered and I've been having to drive it. I'll tell you what, I went to Costco to pick up a prescription though. Costco is killing it. Like they've got these great, you know, sneeze guards up. They've got markers on the floor saying where you should be six feet apart, blah, blah, blah. Can't say the same for the customers. No. Oh my God. People are just thinking like, they're crushing my constitutional rights. I want to go to Denny's. You know, we really should take things seriously when the Waffle Houses aren't open. And you know what's not open? Waffle House. Waffle House. If we use Waffle House as an indicator for hurricanes, we should definitely use it for national emergencies. Yep. It's been a week since we had the protests in Kansas to open up everything. And guess what we just started having? An ant on our computer. I mean... One sole ant. Where are your ant friends? Oh, I don't don't know it probably came in somewhere really didn't just materialize ants do just materialize sometimes (laughs) it's like why do ants suddenly appear every time you are near all right so what were you saying we had the protests we had we had the protest this week and shockingly we've had over 600 new cases of coronavirus in kansas wyandotte county in one day went up by nine percent and yet we are starting to reopen on monday as a state and our county is opening on the 10th, 11th. Yeah, we're, uh, we're, we're a week behind because they said, hey, if we're going to do this, we're going to do it right. So we're getting everybody a week to think through this shit before they just open up on Monday. Sit back and think about what you've done. Sit back and think about, huh, well, if I'm going to have limited customers, maybe I should move my tables further apart. Yeah, and the thing is, the people who were doing most of the protesting were not the people who's who are going to need to move the tables. It was the people who wanted them to have to move the tables for them. You know, I'm in bad need of a haircut, but I don't want to risk exposing people to it if I catch it or catching it in the first place. And so yeah, but I left the house this week and got this car and I've got this seven day return policy on it. And I immediately banged my elbow on something. (laughs) And I thought I just banged it and then I get out of the car and I look over and there are these spots in my car. I'm like, what the hell is that? And I realized that I had bled all over the console. <laughs> so it's definitely mine. It's gotten my blood sacrifice. Yes, don't worry. This uh, this car will be loyal to you and to Satan. As will our bedspread because I was stripping the bed today and found blood all over that tooth my elbow. You're a, you're a horrible monster. Ugh. Yeah, um, I'm not looking forward to the stuff being lifted because, I mean, part of it is that I'm an extreme introvert, but mostly it's it's just going to resurge and we'll probably have to close everything down again in three to four weeks. Yeah, and just just like we talked about in our Spanish flu episode. Yeah, just like we talked about our Spanish flu episode. And the thing that people aren't thinking about is not, well, we need this herd immunity, so we need to come out and get it. It's I want to go to Denny's. I want to go to Denny's and... 
the reason we have this is not because social distancing by itself is going to save people. It's buying time for medical professionals and scientists to figure out what to do. Uh, I read a report a few days ago that said our hospitals are at 86% capacity. And with us reopening, we're not, we're going to hit that 100% pretty damn fast. Yes, we are. Remember, um, funeral homes in New York City aren't going to be able to even cremate the bodies, all the ones they've gotten, for months now. They lack the capability to deal with all of the corpses piling up on the streets of New York. Literally piling up. I read a thing about a funeral home that had something like 20 or 40 corpses sitting on the street. People, of course, are getting really mad. And he's like, where do you want me to put them? I'm not even refrigerated. I'm a funeral home, not a morgue. And they're just being dumped. These are human bodies. And I mean, it makes the uh, mass graves of the plague make sense. Yeah. Let's Let's find a more pleasant topic. Um, well, is your pleasant, is your topic today pleasant? It is incredibly pleasant. I think you go first this week. I do, I get to go first for once? Like, wait, we I go first. switch off. You go first every other week. I don't, that doesn't sound right to me. Does that snake get bigger this week? No, she's, she's been this big for a while. She's growing gradually. You're just very unobservant. That's how I ended up hitting my elbow. Yeah. Being unobservant. Being unobservant. I'm actually talking about a famous hoax. The coronavirus. An even more famous hoax. <laughs> the fact that the Earth is round. Even bigger. Well, actually, not as big as the Earth. It's actually quite, quite smaller. Oh, I was thinking today, though, about flat Earth and how they say Australia isn't real. Do they think Antarctica is real? Maybe they think Antarctica... Oh, no. Antarctica is actually a wall of ice around the edge of the Earth to keep us from climbing it, just like in Game of Thrones. Oh, okay. I think that's how they got that idea. Hi, Spaghetti. She is. Spaghetti is out dancing and showing off for us. Yeah, our snake. She's like she's been very active the last few days. I think she knows that the weather's getting nice, even though she lives inside. Like, yeah, she's, she's like, it's time to come out of hibernation and do my dance. Yeah, and, and plus I feed her on Sundays, so she's probably ready for that. It's Saturday spaghetti, man. You're as bad as our cats. Well, when you feed her once a week, she gets very fancy, which is appropriate for snakes. In case anyone thinks we're abusing our snake. Yeah, I mean, it's not like when we feed our cats once a week. No, man, they <laughs> they get real uh, real hungry. So mad. So no, I'm talking about a, a pretty famous hoax called the Cardiff Giant. Is this like a missing link situation? Is this a falsified taxidermy situation? What are we looking at? No, this is a 10 foot tall uh, statue of a petrified man that was made in 1890, 1869. Are we sure it's not Hagrid after... Um... And he got hit with the Petrificus Totalis ter- curse, well, or he I, saw a basilisk? I hope not, because this statue's got a gigantic dog. I have never considered anything about that with Hagrid. Yeah, I didn't want to think about that either. You're welcome. And you just had to put those two together before I mentioned that fact. What so, thanks a lot. Anytime. No, um, a man named George Hull got into an argument with Methodist revivalist preacher, and this guy thought that everything in the Bible was literal, even... Uh, Genesis 6-4, which talks about giants that used to walk around the earth and are gone now. Even my Catholic school taught that things weren't literal. I mean, they're like, some things were, obviously. Like, these miracles are literal miracles, but six days was not six 24-hour periods. So this argument stuck with him enough that he said, you know what? I am going to get you with something. So uh, Hull bought a three-ton block of gypsum from Iowa. What's gypsum? It's a type of rock. Okay. It's a, a really soft, easy-to-carve rock. And then 
he at the time when people were asking what it was for, he claimed he was making a monument of Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> then he hauled it to Chicago, which by the way, it took weeks to haul it. It was so big and heavy and they were using horses. So it took weeks for him to even haul it there. And then when he finally got to Chicago, he swore a sculptor to secrecy and they brought it into his barn and they carved a 10 foot tall reclining like figure that looked like as though he was buried and had become petrified like how trees become petrified. Wait, is this what you're replicating in our backyard right now? Yes, I've been talking about this for weeks. I'm going to bury it. And then I'm going to, then we're going to dig it up and we're going to make millions. You just, millions. You just put this out there to our two dozen listeners. They're in on it too now. You're in on this with us. You're sworn to secrecy, just like the sculptor. I'm going to have to cut you guys in, but don't worry. We're going to make a ton of money. By cutting you in, he means that he'll give you some of the tomatoes out of our garden. You don't get any of the money. No, uh, please. They're getting some of the okra out of our garden. We keep the tomatoes. We I make salsa. you growing okra. I come in every day and say, hey, guess what? I'm growing okra and I'm carving a giant statue with a huge penis in our backyard. <laughs> I thought you, you hated okra. You never listened to me. I hate okra, but I know you love it. But I knew you hated okra, so clearly I listened to you. I mean, you listen to some things. Not the important things. I listen to the things that are inconvenient to me, like the fact that you hate okra. <laughs> there had been talk at the time in various newspapers of petrified people just like showing up. Like... The story of a prost- Well, I mean, it is the mid-1800s. People are just constantly petrified right now. People are constantly- terrifying. Especially a very widely spread news story in which a prospector drank some liquid he found in a geode and instantly turned into stone. In the newspaper. This was in the newspaper. That's on him. That's your lesson of the day, kids. If you find liquid inside of a rock, it's probably not the philosopher's stone and you shouldn't drink it. So yeah, they carve the statue. Then, using a special hammer he built, which had like steel pins in it, he banged on it to make give the statue pores, so it looked like oh. it actually petrified. And they used various inks and dyes and sulfuric acid to kind of smooth it out and weather it and make it look old. Then he, just tri- well, tried to secretly ship it up to New York, but it was a giant crate where one of a relation of his lived. And they dug up a big hole and kind of snuck it in under some roots so it looked like it had been there for a long time and the tree had grown over it. And they buried it and they waited a year. <laughs> dedication then that, that's the mistake that murderers make when it comes to getting the life insurance policy on their spouse they don't wait the year they just immediately kill them afterwards yeah this guy okay wait how long ago did you take the extra life insurance policy on me seven months okay our two a dozen listeners or so <laughs> if in five months i have died okay, you are not, my witnesses that's not fair coronavirus <laughs> This is a very bad time to admit your murder plans. Okay, if I die, she's coming after you next. She is closing the loop. (laughs) So they waited a year, and then his relation hired some buddies to, you know what, I need to dig a well in this spot. Under a tree? Yeah. Is that where wells typically go? I don't know. Have you ever dug a well? Um, I mean, I'm not a guy, so I don't need a well, actually. (laughs) God damn it. That was brilliant. I love you. Uh, I'm for- I forgive you for your murder plot. <laughs> I hired some guys to dig a well, and when they unearthed its foot and read the rest of it, one of them actually proclaimed, "I declare, <laughs> some old Indian has been buried here." <laughs> now, bear- I do declare. Now, bear in mind, at this point, Hull has spent about two thousand six hundred dollars on this hoax. <laughs> to basically make a fool out of a minister he got into an argument with once. Isn't this basically how Harry Houdini lived his life? 
Yes! <laughs> so naturally, um, they decided to set up a tent and charge admission to this. Sure. Because they were going to make some money off of this while they're fucking at it. Okay. So uh, first, they charged 25 cents for a visitor. Then two days later, because people were coming in by the wagon load, they started ch- charging 50 cents a person. Archeo- That'd be $10 million each per day. Now, this became today. like, it was the viral hit of the day. People from all over New York were flocking to see this thing. And especially the uh, theological theological people and preachers thought that this was proof that the giants actually did walk among us. And everything in the Bible is literal and you can't convince me otherwise. Which is why the church across the street from us decided to hold a festival this week. Because, you know, hours protected. Hours after they announced they were listing, lifting the uh, stay-at-home order on Monday, which hasn't happened yet. Oh, no, and they're not lifting it on Monday here. They have to wait another, like, full week after that. They're Ugh. not actually being lifted yet, and they were still violating the lifts that are being done on churches. Listen, you guys, I want to go back to my job, my regular job, not my crazy job, and if you keep doing this, I'm going to keep working in the legal system, and nobody wants that. Nobody. I mean, I think what you do is interesting and important. He doesn't tell me anything. Other I, I'm than, not allowed to tell he's you He's not anything. allowed to tell me anything, but I know how detail-oriented he is and, like, how much this matters. So, like, yeah. he's a good one to have in the legal system. I, I, I actually am, and it's, ugh. Let me tell I, I am much more the speed of the library's ukulele story times and less about the DA's office various crimes. <laughs> but anyway. So it became a big thing. So naturally, some people came out to see if this was real or not. Archaeologists said it was an obvious fake Mm -hmm. because it was made of gypsum, which (laughs) is water-soluble. And if it had actually been buried for hundreds of years, this water-soluble rock would have mostly dissolved. And you could still see the fresh tool marks on it, proving that this was not a petrified man or an ancient statue. Because he was claiming both, depending on who was asking and whether they believe him or not. He kept claiming archaeologists, oh yeah, it's an ancient statue. But the theologians, like, it's a petrified giant. <laughs> I love the hoaxes from this time because I feel like they, they've taught it. We have learned a lot as a society since then. And we're we're still very easy to fool. But man, I love it. <laughs> like the old timey just like, yeah. Oh, like the guy said it's true. So it has to be. <laughs> I mean, isn't that what it is today? The scientists and everybody are telling us one thing. But man, that guy from high school. What? Oh. He has some opinions. I mean, they sound pretty good. He's oh. wearing sunglasses. Okay, did you see that Facebook post going around about how, like, the hospitals are misreporting the coronavirus cases to get that government funding? And like, I just, someone went into, like, an literally an hour-long rant on a podcast just detailing how everything in that is wrong. And if you idiots had spent a moment scrutinizing this, you'd see that, too. Yeah, that's... This whole... This is what's bothering me the most is people clearly never learned how to research and nope. I'm like is that because researching is not on standardized tests your standardized tests don't require you to do any researching or fact checking or even like digging into a piece and saying does this seem legitimate you don't have to learn to do that yeah oh god and granted it's not fair to say that now because the people who are writing a lot of these are not people who've been in school recently mm-hmm. but the Sheer amount of people, like, people now who do not know the difference between fact and opinion. Well, and people who don't know the difference, and this is, I know, this is something I actually considered doing for an episode this week. The difference between true and factual, uh, because they're not the same thing. Truth is objective, subjective, objective, which am I going for? It can be both, actually. Basically, truth, truth your is truth, subjective. Your truth is your experience. The facts are what actually happened. Mm-hmm. 
two people can experience the same fact and have two completely different truths about it. So I was actually like considering when I was looking for some, my topic here, I'm like, should, could I just talk about the difference between truth and fact? But then I decided that I didn't want to go down that rabbit hole right now. Yep. Also, since we're talking about like other things and you're talking about like, would you even dig a well there in the first place? Uh-huh. Uh, geologists actually said no sane person would dig a well in this spot. <laughs> <laughs> Why were you even digging a well there? Also, even though it had been a year, the locals still remembered the big mysterious crate they lugged up to their farm. I love that this was like both a very poorly executed and a very well executed hoax. This guy must be loving this. Oh, he absolutely was. The people actually started referring to it as old hoaxy, (laughs) but they still loved it and would talk about it and thought it was brilliant and great stuff that we do that with today like stuff that we know isn't real but we still really get a kick out of it like i know that i feel that way about mothman oh mothman's real i don't think he's real but i also love mothman what about bigfoot bigfoot is real if nothing else bigfoot's more likely so but the uh, theologians and preachers still continue to defend it in light of all of the evidence because you know some things don't change. Do they still like defend it today? Or are there still preachers no. who are using it? No. Most, it's mostly been forgotten, but they still continue to say, no, this is real, and this is big, biblical proof, and people still flock to see it. Like, about a weekend, Hull and his partners sold their interest in the giant for $23,000 after they had made all that money selling tickets to it. And they sold it to a guy named David Hannum, which... Fun fact, this is the guy who actually said there's a sucker born every minute when he was talking about the Cardiff Giant and the people coming to see it, not P.T. Barnum, who is, it attribu- who is attributed to it. Yeah. Yeah. So P.T. Barnum didn't actually say that. It was uh, David Hannum. And in- we're sure that he said it? Very certain he said it. Okay. Um, at that point, they moved it out of this field and into Syracuse, New York, where more people could see it. At this point, P.T. Barnum took an interest in the Cardiff Giant. Uh, the stories differ on whether he tried to buy it outright for $50,000 or he tried to buy a portion of it for $50,000 or he just tried to lease it for three months for $60,000. But David Hannum did not sell it. So Barnum made an exact replica out of paper mache. Oh, goodness. And he displayed it in his museum as the real thing. You know, the dude is scummy, but you gotta respect it in a certain way. It gets better. Barnum's Giant drew even bigger crowds. Oh, yeah. Because well, he, adver- he, he advertised it better. It was like, there were flyers everywhere talking about the mystery of this giant. Is it real? Is it a statue? You have to see it to believe it. And he just, he sold it. Mm-hmm. And made a lot more money. And even the pettiest thing of this all offered $1,000 to anyone who could prove that it was less genuine than the original. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not the original inherently means that it's not genuine I mean, as as the other one i didn't he didn't actually use the word original oh okay. but he, anyone who could prove it was less general and genuine than the other one okay i know how you can do that take a sharp stick and poke a hole in the paper mache it gets better though the sculptor he hired to make the the uh replica made about a half a dozen other copies of it too oh my goodness that were sold and exhibited across the country also as the original one. The uh, Philadelphia Inquirer said, it's rather rich, rich that we should all be victimized by such a fraud upon a fraud. Are you really being victimized if you're choosing to go? I mean, would you go see this? 
Yes. Even after hearing all of this. Oh, yeah, but I would not consider myself a victim. I'd be like, this is amazing. So uh, at this point, being Americans after all, uh, Hannum sued Barnum over this, calling his giant a fake. As opposed to his giant, which was totally real. The judge would not hear the case unless Hannum could prove that his was genuine. Oh, God. Which was proving to be difficult because uh, Hull had been bragging about the success of his hoax for months to anyone who had listened to him. And in February of 1870, a newspaper managed to track down the original sculptor and got a confession out of him. But the giant still grew crowds because, you know, no, it's once people believe a thing, it's very hard to convince them to not believe a thing. That's, so That's true. Yeah, it's the... Oh. That's factual. Yeah, that is factual. That is, oh, it's it's a type of bias, and I can't remember what it's called anymore. The uh, judge then th- completely threw out this lawsuit. Yeah. Crazy shit. I love this. And the giants still grew crowds, still. But after a few years, they put it onto a carnival circuit, where it still drew crowds, because it was, like, traveling around the country, and people would come out to see it. But then it completely stopped drawing people, so they just stored it in a barn in Massachusetts. Where is it now? Uh, Barnum's copy is in Marvin's Marvelous Mechanical Museum in Detroit, which I also looked into. It sounds like a fun place to go to because they have this, like, paper mache giant. They also have a bunch of weird mechanical contraptions, like just toys, games, and stuff from before there was really electricity. That do It sounds like it's a neat place to go to. I mean, I've been to Michigan, but, you know, we want to go everywhere. And yeah. I've been to Detroit. Detroit's cool. Detroit is cool, and they have a museum. The original is currently in the Farmer's Museum in Cooperstown, New York. Okay. Hull, still, like, you know, very excited about his success with his original fraud, uh, decided he was going to do a similar hoax in which he made a giant sculpture again, but this one had a tail, and he buried it in Colorado, but nobody bought it this time. No, you can't. You can't do the same thing twice. Once you've admitted that something's a hoax, no one's going to believe you after that. Yeah. He hoped that, like, even... It was kind of like a wink and a nod thing. It's like, uh uh-oh, he's done it again. You want to see his new hoax? He was kind of hoping for that, I think. Or he possibly thought, yeah, I can do this again. Because he made a fortune off of it. Like, Mm -hmm. again, $26,000 is the equivalent of about half a million dollars in today's money. Mm -hmm. So that was was a lot of money. Mm -hmm. A lot of money. But unfortunately, this time he actually ended up losing a lot of money and no one bought it. Uh, He didn't die until 1902, but apparently he was still proud and would brag to the world about how he had fooled the entire world with his hoax, and he had his, like, big 15 minutes of fame and just loved it all. Are we sure he died in 1902, or was that another hoax? Maybe it was. Maybe he's still alive. Maybe he's still making giants. Or <gasps> he switched to something microscopic. He, he invented the NBA. I was about to say he invented the coronavirus, but yeah, he invented the NBA. He's making giants. So you ready for some questions? All right. Will the fact that uh, biblical literalists thought this giant was real be on the test? I think it would have to be. Yeah. Will the fact that P.T. Barnum made his own fake giant be on the test? No, because of the movie, we can't say anything bad about P.T. Barnum. He was the greatest showman. I Like, we're confusing P.T. Barnum with the majesty that is Hugh Jackman. Yes. Yeah. P.T. Barnum is just living on Hugh Jackman's borrowed majesty. Mm-hmm. Right. Will the fact that P.T. Barnum got sued for his fake copy of a fake be on the test? Nope. And will the fact that you can still see these, the fake and the original in different museums to still, over a hundred years later, be on the test? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That is, that is the Cardiff giant. 
one of America's most famous hoaxes. I love it. And you know what? Like, sometimes I'm sure people listen to us and go, like, why would that ever, why should that be something we learned in school? And I think this is a really good example of something that may not be of great historical significance in and of itself, but it's a really good tool for teaching critical thinking and the importance of fact checking and making sure that you don't have these biases and beliefs that contradict the reality. Yep. And also, especially with the guy who made the first one, how one public mess up can can ruin your credibility afterwards. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. He was he was flying high off of that. He tricked everybody. And I think America, the, uh, we love scoundrels. Yeah. Which is why we still like P.T. Barnum. And why no, I- No, th- we like P.T. Barnum because of the movie. Nobody knows what a fucked up guy he was. I almost did a piece about P.T. Barnum this week as well. Um, <laughs> what? It wasn't about him. It was about one of his people in the show, um, which I'm actually still considering doing for next week. Okay. But, or in the near future, because yeah. she's interesting. Because but- I was actually going to do, um, originally I was going to do something about the Piltdown Man, which was another yeah. like archaeological fake, which was actually fairly boring. And then I stumbled across this and it's like, yes, mm-hmm. yes, I will. We should learn more about these sc- scoundrels like this guy because that is just delightful. It's delightful, but it also shows you that you need to practice critical thinking so that you don't waste your 50 cents going to see this thing unless yeah. you know what you're getting into. And also, I guess this shows the importance of um, the arts and prop making in real life. I know. I kept thinking, like, how would I make this as a props master? And I was like, I want to I want to see his hammer. Like, yeah, I want to see this. I, he invented it himself for the purposes, for the purpose of putting pores in a stone giant he made out of spite. I know. I want. I want to see this hammer. I want to see what he did and like what kind of nails he used. And it's, it sounds like pins. It's like I want to see this. Oh yeah. Because I've had to do stuff like that and I've had to be creative with it. And so this also makes me think, man, we could do a Cardiff Giant Child's Play. That would be great. Imagine the props. Mm-hmm. The huge penis. No, they'd probably cut that out. A bris? That's not what a bris is. I know, but I saw an opportunity for a joke. You ruin all of my fun. I see an opportunity for a joke right now. She's looking at me. <laughs> so that, yeah, that was mine. All right. What you got for me? Nothing. I didn't do one. What? So I'm just going to have to do my next week's one now? You're going to have to talk for the next 30 minutes. Okay. Well, I don't have anything prepared except for making fun of the jazz age. <laughs> Um, now, today I'm actually covering one of those topics that we learned incorrectly in school. What? Well, part of it we learned incorrectly anyway. Um, the whole story never got covered, but one fact in it was something that we, we like learned as a fact, and it's actually not. But in fairness, we didn't know then. Ooh. So my sources today, National Geographic, The New Yorker, How Stuff Works, all that's interesting, Wikipedia, Nature.com, and Ars Technica. So like, all, as you all know, we have four cats. We are definitely cat people. Yes. Oh my god, we didn't mention that I made you watch the musical Cats. So, um, we have a very chunky boy named Fezzik. And so she was watching and waited until he was like settled in and comfortable sitting on my chest. And then she put on the musical Cats. The stage musical the on stage Broadway. The stage musical and ran out of the room laughing. <laughs> I think Jalkal's song lasts for what? 45 Th- minutes. 45 minutes. I don't know. It's been stuck in my head for days now. I've had Skimble Shank stuck in my head. It's the best song. It's the worst song. It's the best song. But I did come back and watch it with him. We started like, I would start pointing out like tech stuff to him because the tech is good. Yes. The costumes are good. And the makeup's good. 
some of the faces they make made us like laugh our asses off. And also, why do state like filmed versions of stage shows insist on putting special effects in there that aren't in the show? That takes away from the magic. I was okay. I was like because it was watching a stage musical, and I saw this special effect, and I was like, like, okay, how are they getting the translucent cat up there? Is like a glass projection thing happening? They realized, oh, this is just an after effect. God damn it. Yeah, the, the, there's actually an actor doing that. Why do you have to, like, increase this magic level? It's stage work. It's already magical. But we actually sat and watched it. And after a while, we started to kind of go, this isn't that bad. This isn't that bad. And then we realized it's because we were comparing it to the movie. Yeah. The, so um, the stage production, it goes um, at the bottom of the list is community theater productions of Cats. Yes, which which we have seen. Which is just a bu- it's it's just a bunch of cats wasting our time. Yes. Then there's the movie Cats. Mm-hmm. Then there's this taping we saw of the Broadway production of Cats from 1998. I found out that the guy who was playing Rum Tum Tugger had been in the show for 11 years. Like, since he was, like, 17 or 18, he had been in the show. And I'm like, I can't imagine doing anything for 11 years. Like, our marriage is ending at 10 because I can't imagine doing anything for 11. Well, good. Then I'm going to go on and become Rum Tum Tugger in a production of Cats. That's what's going to happen if we, when our I marriage mean, is over. I mean, you will do as you do do. And there's just no doing anything about it. Why, yeah. <laughs> he played a lot of different roles. He was really good, though. He was. So was, uh, was it Jason Derulo in the movie? Yeah, Jason he Derulo really killed it. Okay, anyway, though. Cats, like, is what I'm talking about today. Not the musical, but the animal. So, if you ever watch videos of wild cats, and I'm not talking about Tiger King and their sedated cats, I'm talking about, like, actual wild cats, you still notice, like, they're acting like our cats. Where if you watch videos of wild dogs, you're like, oh, hell no, stay away from that. Because they don't act like domesticated dogs. Oh, yeah, I love those videos of, like, they put these big cardboard boxes in tiger pens. And the tigers immediately went and sat in the boxes. Yeah. Tigers do, if I fits, I sits. Yeah, all, like, big cats and domesticated cats are the same animal in behavior. Uh, domesticated dogs and wild dogs, not. Boars and pigs, not. Oh, my God. Cows like- and bison, not well they're not they're not even related uh buffalo okay buffalo if you like imagine 40 like you know babe the pigs like you know coming into town you don't need an assault rifle but if it's 40 wild hogs and your children are in the yard and 40 wild hogs come do your are your kids carrying the assault rifles like i'm very this is america all children should have assault rifles as soon as they're pushed out of their mom they're just handed an assault rifle in the hospital which is why I believe we should have socialized medicine so your hospital can give you a gun when you're born. <laughs> and you can quote me on that when I run for president. So the question then becomes, did we domesticate cats? Based on our own cats, I'm fairly certain they domesticated us because I wake up at 7 a.m. because of our cats. I remember to feed them at 5 because they've trained me to feed them. Uh, they will walk up to me and then make me pet them. And they control, like, when I get up and, like, leave rooms. Yeah, um, the answer boils down to most experts believing no. And not only did we not domesticate cats, like us as people, they might not actually be domesticated animals. What? Yeah. <laughs> but Draco's such a good boy. Remember when we first got him? He would bite me and attack my feet. Yep, he was a bi- he was like ferocious, and Fezzik was an attack cat when he first showed up, and <laughs> was he was he was more of a rumpus cat than an attack cat. Gigi had so much trauma that she still to this day isn't really a cat, and Zumbi's been hand raised. So it's true. She is our bottle baby, and she's a spoiled, but weirdly, spoiled she cat. Act, she acts the most like a cat. Yeah, well, it's because we are really bad at being people. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, so people began domesticating plants and animals a long ass time ago. I read one piece that said 11,000 years. I read another piece that said 40,000 years. Basically a long ass time ago, people began domesticating stuff. Dogs were likely the first animal that we domesticated. They're good for hunting and protection, plus they're pack animals, and they were also able to recognize people as good for hunting and protection and as part of their pack. So it was a really useful relationship. So cats didn't come until much later. In school, here's what we were taught that is incorrect. We were taught that ancient Egyptians were the first ones to domesticate cats. Yes, and they worshipped them as gods. And the thing is, this was actually believed while we were in school. I hate that whole, my, like, I'm sure the book itself is excellent, but lies my teacher told me, the title really pisses me off. Because your teachers aren't intentionally lying to you. They're using the information that they have, or they're using the information they're allowed to teach. Like, kindergarten teachers are still being forced to teach this Thanksgiving mythology, or it's that, or get a formal write-up or even lose your job. Yeah. So they have to come down to, like, do I do this one thing to continue educating kids on things that are true? Or do I not get to do this at all? Or in this case, using the knowledge we had. Because in 2004, so like the year we graduated from high school, they discovered evidence of an older of an older civilization with cats. What is the older civilization with cats? Cyprus. Oh, okay. French researchers in Cyprus found the remains of a cat and a human buried together. And it was from 9,500 years ago, which was before the Egyptians. Uh, Nature, Ecology, and Evolution, which was this really intensive study about the DNA biological background of cats. Lot, you'd like it. Lots of science states that therefore, quote, cats were probably tamed by early Neolithic sedentary communities that had been growing cereals. So us, because we are pretty sedentary and we enjoy our frosted flakes. See, I'm more all about like the peanut butter crunch and the frosted mini wheats. Yep. And then we also found evidence in 2014 that cats had been living in, or in, near or with humans in China before this even, because their remains showed that they had been feasting on animals who were feasting on crops. So they were able to like look at these remains of cats in ancient China and be like, okay, they were clearly eating mice and rats that were eating cultivated cultivated food. So they were, may not have been living with people, they might have been, or they might have been living near them and able to tolerate them. I mean, our cats definitely tolerate us. Yeah, the reason Egyptians are so frequently credited by domesticating cats is largely because of their art. And in fact, their art literally shows like step by step how they domesticated them. Oh, it's got like these images. It's like the cat and the person are far apart. And then ultimately the cat is sitting underneath the woman in the chair. Like, so it kind of shows step by step how they became close. So it's a reasonable thing to have believed. It's just not true. So they discovered that there are two basic lineages for cats. Based on a study of over 200 cats who have lived over the last 9,000 years. Basically, they took some some today's cats, some long dead cats, and were able to pull out enough DNA to compare them. So there are two groups of cats. Jellical cats and? The ones that don't know their jellical names. Okay, good. That's the actual scientific terms. Really? No. Oh. Man. So we have group one, and I actually, I think there were names that they got lost to me in the science words. Um, the word alleles is coming up, so just be ready. Ooh. Group one likely started existing with people in the Fertile Crescent, which is part of the Middle East, around 8,000 years ago. People in this area were largely agricultural, so mice and other rodents became attracted to their crops and the byproducts when they would make the crops into something useful. So the mice and the rats came and the cats followed. 
you follow your food source. And they, you know, started to live near people. And people were like, okay, you're not bothering us. We're not going to bother you. It's like, oh, you're eating the things that are eating our food source? Keep it up. Good job. And so these are the cats that are of European and Asian lineage. So we've got this one group of cats that is European and Asian. Okay. The second group is African. And these are the ones we hear about the Egyptians worshipping. These guys began proliferating into the Mediterranean and the Old World around 1500 BCE. It's believed that the reason Egyptians liked cats is because cats were just kind of chill animals. Like, they know how to manipulate you. They know how to come up to you and be like, please give me what you have. I will kill this mouse for you. I have brought you this mouse as an offering in exchange for your salami. Um... (laughs) So, or I guess ancient Egyptian cats probably wouldn't have tried to get Cheetos or hot peppers. Yeah. So basically, like, cats are reasonably friendly animals. We even see this with large wild cats. Their first instinct is usually not to eat you as long as they're not hungry. They're just mostly curious and will come up and check you out. Unless you've got some, I don't know, some sardine Sardine oil. oil. Okay, so we've gotten through Tiger King this time. Yep. We still have to figure out how to get Marcus 24. It's okay. been a while since Ross Geller has shown up. Oh my god, I was talking about archaeology today and digging up bones. I should have talked about Ross Geller. I blew it. You did. Or archaeologists come up here anyway. But he was a paleontologist. It's two very different things. Yes. And the Egyptians also saw their usefulness in controlling rodents. And not just Egypt, but like everybody. So people began to travel with cats. There's a lot of evidence that cats were being brought along land and sea routes, probably to take care of any rodent problems along the way. As early as 4400 BCE, and uh, when a certain set of the DNA data began appearing in Europe. Today, Antarctica is the only continent with no cats. They were brought by sea to the other countries that didn't have them. Uh, It's likely that cats were initially simply tolerated because, you know, they're small. Like, if if they're eating mice and rodents, these are not tigers. These are bobcats and smaller. And so they're not likely to attack a human unless they're sick, like the cat is sick. Because you are much bigger and clearly a predator. You've got your eyes on the front of your head and you're eating meat. So since they weren't bothering us and they were proving useful, we were like, okay, cool. And we let them be. And then, you know, they got more comfortable with us. We got more comfortable with them. People started just, you know, leaving their extra food out for them or creating warm places for them to sleep. So people started to just kind of bring the cats into their lives. And this is actually likely how... um, how we began with dogs, too. Dogs showed up because they could smell food. They were like, mm, scraps. And then they kind of hung around. And these were dogs that were like, it is not to our advantage to be aggressive because these people are providing food. And as time went on, they started tolerating each other and then creating these spaces for them. Actually, a lot of our domesticated animals showed up on their own. We didn't go out and get them. Um, like, wild horses we went out and got. Oh, yeah, we did. But for the most part, they came to us. Not the most part, but a, a good percentage. Yeah. Over the millennia, dogs began to change. This includes their faces becoming infantilized. So like, you know, when you see like a dog, you're like, oh, look at your puppy and you want to put its ears. But when you see a coyote, you're like, oh, hell no. Yeah. There's something that's different about their faces. And if you were to try to explain it, you'd probably really have to think about it. But there's something that's just different enough that you go, this is a predator, this one is not. So um, so it's basically the more successful dogs, the ones that were able to pass on their genes were the ones that looked cuter to people. Yes. Um, And over the millennia, their teeth have shrunk. They have smaller teeth. Uh, And this is the case with almost every domesticated species. Anything that could appear threatening to us has disappeared through evolution. Except for cats. (laughs) Cats have never changed their appearance and have never changed their teeth size. 
No, of course not. Uh, without human intervention, which I'll get into, which is makes me mad. So if you like look at our cat and then you look at a tiger, you're like, yep, that's the same. Mm-hmm. Or especially if you look at our cats and you look at a bobcat, yeah, that's the same. Or got those that one African cat that is like the world's most successful hunter and it weighs two pounds mm-hmm. and eats birds. Yeah, they look they look like domesticated cats yeah. because they are. They just don't live in our house. <laughs> So, like, cats have their still tooth They still have the, the, the retractable claws they can use for evil. And even a cat who has never lived in the wild or lived as a stray can basically be feral. I've had cats like this. The ones who never fully integrate into society and they are dangerous. Where dogs, that's a lot less likely unless there's abuse or trauma in their background. There has to be something literally wrong with the dog for it to be that way from birth in most cases. Meanwhile, we have the exact opposite with our cats who, mm-hmm. oh God, them there was a mouse in the house and them trying to catch oh it God. was like a comedy of errors, but there was a mouse. So there was nothing funny about it. It was just terror. Like Draco wanted the girls to learn how to hunt. So he got the mouse and brought it to them while it was still alive. And Zumbi looks at it like, I don't know what you want me to do with that. Thankfully, we have Gigi and Gigi's like, I know what to do. This cute, sweet little cat who is honestly just nothing but sweetness and dopiness she is the mighty hunter she and she is the murder machine i have a feeling fezzik would be too but we haven't had a mouse that got in since he's been around or maybe we have and he's just so good at catching we never see him true and he probably he would eat the whole thing yeah and i'll get into that in a second too so the primary difference between wild cats and domesticated cats is their coloring their DNA is almost identical, where the DNA between a domesticated dog and a wild dog is vastly different. Ooh. Yeah. And I'm going to get into some coloring here just a little bit. In wildcat breeds, a mackerel coat pattern is kind of common, but it started to evolve into tabby. Tabbies began to emerge via the recessive allele W841X in the Ottoman Empire, and that ultimately proliferated to other parts of the world. So if you look at art from the Middle Ages, cats were just basically striped similarly to wild cats. They just had like harsh stripes like tigers. In the 18th century, blotches began to appear. And that's the tabby pattern. It's kind of a stripe that's not a stripe. Kind of like what our stripey cats have. Yeah, I'm going to talk about them. The word tabby comes from the French phrase uh, translated from uh, the translated version of the French phrase striped silk taffeta. Oh, okay. Tabby cats. Okay, first of all, tabby is not a breed. Tabby is a set of four different coloring variations on domesticated cats that does not exist in the wild. So tabby cat at its most basic, and again, there are four variations, but the most basic tabby has the M shape on the forehead, stripes on their eyes and cheeks, on their back, and on their legs and tail. Mackerel tabbies. Remember I said wild cats have the mackerel pattern. Mackerel tabbies have vertical curving stripes on their sides. Classic tabbies have the M marking on their foreheads and their coats have the stripes, but the stripes are swirled. We don't have one of those. No. Tickled tabbies like Abyssinians have even little bits of hair with distinct colors. They look kind of salt and peppery and there aren't really any noticeable stripes. And then spotted tabbies actually do have stripes, but the stripes are so broken up that they look like spots. So we actually have two tabbies, Zumbi and Fezzik. I started to look at how other colors happen, and it was just a bunch of different scientific terms, so I decided not to. Okay. Um, but it was in the 19th century, like, in the 19th century is when we started to intervene. Because you know how I said cats' DNA does not differ. They have not evolved to fit our needs. So obviously we were like, well, fuck this. 
and decided we were going to intervene because we are terrible. Um, now, the thing is, cats... You just thought about that you could. You never stopped to think if you should. Yeah, like the reason that cats didn't evolve is because they didn't need to. They are the perfect killing machine. They are the perfect killing machine. They are like the sharks of the land. They are exactly what we needed them to be. They take care of our rodent problem. And in return, we you know give them some additional food and they offer us comfort. It's a really sim- yeah. good symbiotic relationship. But then the 1800s happened and the first cat fancier show occurred. Most modern breeds didn't exist until the last 50 years. What? I won't go on a massive rant about this, but if these breeds have only lasted about 50 years, that means the inbreeding is still rampant. Because in order to get these, we don't have generations upon generations upon generations to build from. We have, I mean, we have a lot of generations because they're cats and it's like pew, pew, pew with the coming out of the vagina. But they, we don't have hundreds of years. We have 50. So we, so a lot of purebred cats are severely inbred. I'm a big believer in adoption, but I can't stop people from going to a breeder. So if you're going to go to a breeder, fine. I'm not going to be the one to yell at you in cat groups because I think that's a waste of time and energy on everybody's part. And if you're excited about your cat, at least it's going to get a loving home. But at least make sure your breeder is reputable and make sure that you understand what you're getting into with this breed of cat. So for instance, flat-faced cats have specific breathing and eye problems that you need to be aware of. Some uh, specific breeds have heart problems. Maine Coons are known for having heart problems. So make sure you understand the specific feeding needs, the specific health needs and things like that before you just go, oh, this Burmese cat is really cute. I want that one. Um, There's actually a problem with that after Homeward Bound, which people adopted Himalayans, not realizing how much work Himalayan cats are. They've got a lot of hair. They've got a lot of hair. So if you're going to go to a breeder, that's your choice. Just make sure you understand the cat that you're getting. Anyway, so one way I think to show that something has been fully domesticated, like either it's complete, there are two ways that superstitions can arise. Either something we completely don't understand, like historically weather, that we made up mythology to explain the weather. Or it's so domesticated that we start to become suspicious of it. So that I think this is solid evidence that cats are domesticated is that we started having superstitions around them and even religious beliefs. So like in India and China, we already talked about Egypt, India and China both had cat fertility goddesses and the Vikings had Freya, the cat goddess of love and beauty. But then we get into the other religions. And obviously these are not the only ones that were good to cats or other cultures that were good to cats. But we have the Hebrew story of Lilith, which says that she would take the form of a black cat and eat people's babies. I actually don't know the story of Lilith and it's popped up a lot for me. I need to research it. Maybe it's something I'll do an episode on because it comes up so often and the um, stuff I'm interested in. Well, it's, I know she did, she came up in Supernatural. Yes. And there's Supernatural. She came up in Supernatural. Um, there's That was why Fraser's ex-wife was named Lilith. <laughs> I believe she's supposed to be the woman that was made before Eve but I'm not sure. So I need to actually learn about this because she comes up in so much mythology that I'm interested in. In the Middle Ages, despite the fact that we still have evidence that people saw them as useful and they were still showing up in art and stuff, many thought that they were evil because they hung out with witches. And witches means that old ladies went out to feed them like they feed the bird's lady in Mary Poppins. And apparently all old ladies are witches. I mean, yes. That's that's why we have that, that pit in the backyard with the stake in it next to my giant statue. And the okra. Belgium even has a festival called Kattenstadt celebrating how they used to throw cats off of buildings as punishment for their existence. Uh, the festival still exists, but they throw fake cats off of buildings and have parades and shit. And apparently it's quite the tourist attraction to celebrate the fact that you used to murder innocent animals. Now, and that, that's weird coming from because I'm not a vegetarian or anything. But it's like, these are not, these animals are 
purely useful animals that you don't need to throw off a building. No, please don't throw cats off of buildings. Mm -mm. The cats... Actually, no, don't throw anything off of buildings. Oh, no, there are some things you can throw off of buildings. Like what? Confetti? Oh, no, that's such a mess. Um, I did the egg drop competition in elementary school. We had to drop it. Well, we actually ended up getting a fireman to come out. We used the fire truck, like, lift thing. But you don't have to jump off of buildings. Okay. I won. Yay! I actually made it through three full drops. And they were going to take it up for a fourth time. But as I opened it to prove that the egg was still, the eggs, had to be a pair of eggs, were still good, one of the eggs rolled out and broke. Oh. My dad was a big help with that. And by a big help, I feel like he did a lot of the work. <laughs> and then there's the fact that people believe and believed for centuries that bad a black cat is bad luck. And I found out why. Why? Egyptians' black cat goddess was named Bast, and they worshipped her. Well, Christians show up, and they're like, the heathens are worshipping the black cat. That must mean the black cat is a demon. And so they started to believe that when a black cat crossed in front of you, it was literally cutting off your connection to God in heaven. Oh, I hate... Man, it's like, the more I learn about Christians in history, the less I like them. Yeah, um, it's theorized that this could be part of why there is a lower number of black cats today as opposed to there are... In Europe, as opposed to in other countries. There are fewer black cats by per capita. I, I mean, we still, like, shelters have trouble adopting out black cats. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the time, like, they won't even adopt them out in the month of October. Yeah, I had a neighbor who had three cats disappear in October. And my mom told me, oh, there's a bobcat in the woods that got them. I'm like, mom, I play in that woods. And uh, that's not helpful. But um, also, I knew what had actually happened to those yeah. cats. We, I mean, we have a bobcat around here that people have seen. I haven't seen him. I've seen the badger and our, our pair of resident possums, Wendy and Mike. So you know how, like, in Venice, everyone's so happy that the dolphins have returned to the canals? Here in Kansas, the possums have returned to our backyard. Mm-hmm. Life finds a way. And so, and then while today you can find all sorts of photos of like recent popes with cats, although our current pope thinks that we need to stop like being so into our pets because that's a waste of money that could go to other things. I'm like, so you're saying that we should starve the animals. Got it. Actually, I overall kind of like him, but. I mean, he can't, no, nobody's perfect as mm -hmm. we are, as we've I mean, learned. He's never in said hurt the cat. No, he's not um, like saying it's like throw your cats out the window like they do in Belgium. But two popes have been like, hurt the cat. Pope Gregory the Ninth said that cats were evil to the point where he actually thought they were Lucifer in the flesh because one of his cronies tortured people until they admitted to worshipping the devil and his black cat. In 1233, he put up an official decree that Satan was half cat and took the form of cats during satanic masses, so Catholics around the world began killing cats they came in contact with. Now, it's people like to say that this is why the plague happened because they killed so many cats, but that was actually a hundred years before the plague. So the cat population had enough time to rebound. And cats, it turns out, can actually not only carry the plague, but can transmit it to people. And I don't mean the fleas on them because fleas are actually what transmitted the plague. A cat with the plague bites you, you can get the plague. So we just need to make sure our cats never get the plague. Mm -hmm. We need to keep them out of ancient Europe. And, and then again, in the 1400s, Pope Innocent VIII literally excommunicated the species from the Catholic Church. What? Yeah. So I just thought this was some kind of interesting side notes to how integrated into our society they've become that we start to either love or fear them. I feel like every time there's a Pope named Innocent, he is up to some shit. Mm -hmm. So are cats domesticated? Well, unlike dogs, cats have never been used for specific tasks by and large. 
Dogs were quickly trained to perform certain duties, which has led to the strong diversity in different breeds, while cats were mostly left to their own devices. Evolutionary geneticist Eva, Eva Maria Geigel says, I think that there was no need to subject cats to such a selection process since it was not necessary to change them. They were perfect as they were. And they're still perfect. They are. And because that's what you were saying, they're nature's kill, perfect killing machine. They do the work we need them to do without us having to train them. Which is not to say that cats are not trainable. There are cats that are in movies and do specific things. There are cats that have been trained to use the toilet. And then there's just cats that you try to get off the counter. There's training. Hey, um, Draco has learned his name and he will come if he will come like half the time when I call it. Gigi comes when you call any of the cats except her. I know. She, she does is... know her name. She just knows that that means someone else is getting attention. In terms of survival, this is good news for cats. Because cats were never fully domesticated in this way, as in they are not reliant upon us like dogs are, they can fend for their own in the wild. So if you are a horrible, disgusting person who dumps your cat, yes, it is more likely to survive than if you dumped your golden retriever. But they have not gathered the experience that comes that is like cars are dangerous, large animals are dangerous, not all people are nice, like things like that. They haven't figured that out. But they're capable of hunting on their own. They're able of finding their own shelter. And they still have coats that let them survive harsh temperatures. Like, to our knowledge, our cat Fezzik, he lived in the streets until he was about six years old. This is a cat who is short-haired in a place with extreme cold. And he is missing half a leg. So he should not have survived. And a dog in that state would not have survived. But he survived, probably because he has the ability to hunt. We haven't gotten evidence yet, but he probably does. And he's just so fucking charming. He showed up at the shelter as a lifelong stray at 23 pounds. He is rotund. <laughs> he's lost weight since then, but he loves his food. He will always be big because of the three legs. He has these massive... Andre the Giant Shoulders, hence the name Fezzik. Fezzik is the Brute Squad. So even if we, like, you know, got the most of the tubbiness off of him, he will... I'll be shocked if he ever gets below about 17 pounds. Uh, yeah, he's... Good muscle. He is a muscular cat. So while the main argument against cats being domesticated is in their genes and their independence from us, there is dissent. Although, this is an interesting side note, I thought, since we began breeding cats for specific purposes, like having flat faces, which I don't know what purpose that serves, but... So they have a little squinchy face. Yeah. And then they... <sighs> well, people love did. pugs, and that's basically what they are. I know. So because of the fact that we are forcing genetic differences on them, even those who don't consider them domesticated now may be forced to in the next couple hundred years because their DNA will differ enough by then because of the inbreeding. But there are dissenters to the idea that they're not domesticated already. For example, Melinda Zader, an archaeologist with the Smithsonian, says that the domestic that domestication is simply symbiosis. Human needs the humans need them, they need us. She points out that some animals were domesticated slowly like cattle. Others were forcibly domesticated, non-prey animals in this case, and then bred to serve our needs. However, some light cats likely domesticated themselves out of necessity, coming to human civilizations because we had food. Like I mentioned dogs and cats already, but also guinea pigs and chickens likely came to us. Guinea pigs? Mm-hmm. What? Well, you know, in like England, there's, there are wild guinea pigs. There's wild guinea pigs? Yeah, and chinchillas. Not chinchillas. Uh, hedgehogs. Just, yeah, I know there were wild hedgehogs. Yeah, there are wild guinea pigs. Wild guinea pigs. Yeah, but these creatures like said, okay, these people are creating these crops. And then we when we process the crops, there's these byproducts of the ground. These people can help us. So these animals came to us. So they domesticated 
themselves. And I don't think anybody would argue that chickens and guinea pigs are not domesticated. I like her argument for domestication. I think that what confuses people about cats is that they still carry some of the more aloof behaviors of their solitary wild progenitors. Sometimes they don't give a damn about you, but they are very much part of your niche. Cats have us do everything for them. We clean their litter, stroke them, admire them, but unlike dogs, they do not have to constantly please and satisfy our needs. They are probably the ultimate domesticate. <laughs> However, to me, that doesn't make them sound domesticated. That makes us sound domesticated. Yeah, cats trained us. We have been trained by cats like dogs have been trained by us. All of our scientific advancements have just been our cats um, pushing us to develop more comfortable homes for, homes for them. Yep. So that is the history of cat domestication or lack thereof and cultural responses to cats. Wow. Yeah. Um, and this, I'm glad we talked about Cats the musical before this. Those cats were not domesticated. Oh no, those were some wild cats. Would you like some questions? I would love some questions. Will the fact that ancient Egyptians were not, in fact, the ones to domesticate cats be on the test? I will say yes, optimistically, because we've learned a new fact and we have to teach new facts because that's what learning is. Yeah, and that's a, that's an interesting point you bring up because this is something we know. But remember in high school, our textbooks, some of them were 20 years old. Yeah. It is 2020. We discovered this in 2004. Kids are probably using textbooks that we got fresh our freshman year of high school. And plus, I, also the fact that teachers learned that, yeah, the first cats were domesticated in Egypt. And if it's not something that's in a textbook, they're not going to encounter this new fact to teach kids. Yeah, it's like a lot of, like, I'm not saying that teachers don't do their work or their homework because they do. But once you get into the groove of teaching the same thing over and over again, unless you're presented with new evidence, you're not going to seek it out. And I'm saying that as a former teacher who did exactly these things, and I have since learned that some of the stuff I taught was not a lie, just a little incorrect. Um, and none of it was like way off base. It was just a little, little incorrect. And so if I could go back and like, hey, kids, like I taught, I taught and I, I've done an episode on this, the 24 hour stealing of the theater. They did it in one night. That wasn't true because that was how I understood the story. And I remember in high school, I was using an S apostrophe and not an S apostrophe S for ownership, but the word that ended with S. And... I got counted off for it. And I went to the teacher. I'm like, why did I get counted off for this? Because this is correct. And she looked at it and she goes, oh, yeah, that's correct. But that's not what the textbook has. So we have to do what the textbook has. Because our textbooks were 20 years old. Why? Yeah. So I would hope that this gets taught in the school now that we have the new evidence. But I also wouldn't blame teachers for not knowing it. Because, I mean, I just learned this. I always kind of assumed it was pre-Egypt. But I didn't have any evidence. I mean, it's definitely Egypt had the easy evidence that we would have probably picked up yes. on first before... We started analyzing the DNA of cats found in tombs in places. Will the fact that their ca that domesticated cats and their wild counterparts are nearly genetically identical be on the test? No, because we don't want to scare people with their potentially dangerous wild animals living in their house, pooping in boxes. Or encourage them to go get tigers. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Yeah. You can buy a tiger on the black market for 800 bucks. And, okay. What about Tiger King has made people start buying tigers, like, more? Yeah, that's a thing. Yeah. It's like, guys, what made you think that these are the people you want to be around? Because that's who you're going to be around. And also, these animals are visibly abused. I know. That guy had a jet ski, and that is the only sign of success I respect. Oh, well, and he didn't own the tigers. He owned a strip club. 
Will the fact that animals we have domesticated literally evolve to look more like babies be on the test? Yes, because that is cool. And will the fact that cat breeds were basically invented out of the blue in the 1800s be on the test? Yes, because that leads also to the other stuff that we invented out of the blue, like tulips and roses and all that other shit we were breeding because, damn it, we could and we're people and we are the masters of the fucking universe. Now, I do want to say, like, yes, I'm aware that cats are an invasive species and... Oh, one of my favorite cat facts. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you actually knew this. There is a single cat that is responsible for the extinction of a species of flightless bird on an island. And it is the only known single organism to completely cause the extinction of an entire species. Yeah, and cats are an invasive species. And so people have decided, like, I've actually heard people going back to killing cats for them being an invasive species. That is not the way to solve the problem. The way to solve the problem is adopt adopt a cat, foster a cat until it can get adopted, give some money to TNR programs. TNR is trap, neuter, uh, release. Now, yes, that does mean that those cats get re-released into the wild, but it also means that they can't breed, which means that one cat can do a lot less damage than the thousand cats it can be the cause of during the course of its lifetime. So, yeah, I don't want cats eradicating different species. Also, keep your cats inside, like, except for barn cats. I understand your need for barn cats and things like that. I'm not negating that. But I've had two cats get killed by cars, and it's the worst. And, like, I, the only people it's worse for than the, than you is the person who has to call the number on the collar. So, like, leave, bring your cats in. Um, I had, we had an indoor-outdoor cat who, when I would walk to school, she would walk with me up the block and then sit down at the corner. And then I'd walk home. She would come out and she'd sit at that corner, wait for me to get there. Then she'd follow me home and go back inside. Yeah, and, like, I love cats. That was cats, adorable. And the thing is, cats can be perfectly happy living indoors. And I know I'm going to say some stuff that people will be pissed off about. They can be. You just have to be willing to put the effort in. You have to play with your cats, much like you have to play with your children if you expect them to be indoor children. (laughs) Which most of you are at the moment. I mean, we aren't allowed to, kids aren't allowed to run the streets like we were when we were little. Well, I mean, are are children still getting yard time like prisoners do? Um, Based on what I'm seeing on Facebook, yes. Okay, good. Quite literally, they are getting yard time, as in you can't leave your yard. (laughs) Parents listening to this, this is going to be sound controversial and, you know, maybe the orders are being lifted, but you were talking about making schedules for your kids. Maybe you should have made life in your house more like life in a prison (laughs) because they have learned how to handle like, you know, a population that doesn't want to be there and will cut you if you turn your back. (laughs) So maybe you should be running your house like a prison. Like I do. It's true. I've been making a tunnel out of my room behind a poster. Oh, no. We share a room. And I've been tunneling every night. There are no posters in the room. Are you sneaking into somebody else's house to do this? I'm putting up a poster at night. I'm making very little progress on this. I have no tools. Actually, though, the, our room literally does have a lock on the outs or the remnants of a lock on the outside indicating that someone did used to be locked in there. Which is ridiculous because you can just climb out the window. It's a first floor room. Oh, I haven't thought to check out the edges of the windows, though. Oh. Oh, I'm doing that when we're done. Oh, man. Or they might have had windows that couldn't open. Maybe. Yeah. Just in general, because those exist. Yeah. Or they had bars on them. I'll look around the outside, see if there's signs of bars on oh windows. Oh my god. Like, our house is messed up, guys. We found a wall that wasn't a wall. We found a place where there's, like, an empty space that has a wall in front of it. We've, yeah, yeah. we've got this room that had a lock on the outside. Where are we living? 
Everything is super weird. This house is weird, guys, and it's a little haunted, and... It's, yeah, I've seen... Intermittently haunted. It's not always here. I definitely saw your doppelganger once. I saw yours, uh, I think the other day again. What? I've seen yours twice. Ooh. Yeah. You didn't tell me about that. Yeah, like, and it, it it's always walking to and from, like, that little hallway. Yeah. Yeah, that's where it always is. I got, man, we gotta, we gotta research that room. No, it's because... like, and it's going either into the bathroom or into that room. Yeah. And that room is where the weird shit is happening with the light. And it's not an electrical problem. It's a physical problem. The yeah, light like is moving in a way it is, can't move. Like, stuff is moving that's not being touched. And that's always where the ghost cats have shown up. They haven't shown up anywhere else in the house. Yeah. So we gotta, we, we're going to research this room. We're going to look around. Was gonna... it wallpapered when you moved in? No. Okay. Was it freshly painted? His family lived here before we did. Um, was it freshly painted? I don't know. We need to do some research. We do. To the live. Oh. To the... Don't worry. Everything's closed. Everything's closed. Which means to the internet where I'm going to have to pay for stuff? Yep. I th- actually, I still have I still have my secret login stuff I can just abuse. I shouldn't mention that on this podcast. I don't think you ever mentioned you worked for the DA before either. And you mentioned that earlier. Oh, it's only been like a week. Okay. So that went in a weird direction. How unlike us. <laughs> I don't know. Where, where did we leave off? Um. Okay. All right. So you finished your questions. We did finish my question. We went on our rant. We went on our rant. So we're right on, ter- we're right on we're time. We're right on time. Okay. So um, what did you learn? I learned that the Iceman isn't the only one of those that exists. Ooh. I learned that cats weren't domesticated first in ancient Egypt, which baffles me because that's like, what? It makes sense, though. It makes sense that they were de- domesticated other places, too, because cats are everywhere. Now they weren't. They weren't? They, they haven't always been everywhere. Um, they, I don't, I didn't get into the, where they've been and where they haven't been. I do not believe they are native to Australia or the Americas, or at least domesticated there, size cats are not yeah. native to the Americas, except there, for maybe one in like Chile. I don't know. There are, there are some like small wild cats. So yeah, but I don't believe they're native to Australia at all. And I don't believe domesticated breeds are native to the Americas. I don't think so either. So... We're here every Tuesday. Come uh, tell your friends. Give us a rating, a review, a subscribe. We've got seven ratings on iTunes now. Yes. But only five reviews. So we could really use your, your reviews as well. Uh, subscribe. Tell your friends if you like us. Tell your enemies if you don't. You can find us on all the social medias. We are on Twitter. At On The Test Pod. On Instagram. At On The Test Pod. On Facebook. Facebook.com slash on the test pod. And we have a website. On the test pod.com. You can reach out to us in any one of those locations. We also have an email address, but really we don't check it as often as we should. Yeah, just tweet at us. Tweet at us, Facebook us, Instagram us. Slide into our DMs, as the kids say. It's not even the kids, it's the people in their 30s who are. Who have listened to Lizzo and think they know all about it now. No, who are single. <laughs> All of the single ladies? All the single ladies. <laughs> so ne- we'll see you all next Tuesday. And at that point, we will start to, to be able to see the chaos of all of these stuff being lifted. We're going to step outside and see sunlight for the first time in months. Hey, I, I, I went on a walk the last two mornings. That's true. We've actually been going outside and trying to do be good people. While I mean, staying far away from other human beings. Yeah. But oh my god, I'm going to miss that. I'm not saying like, I don't want the disease to continue, but... I'm going to miss appropriate space between human beings because I don't want you in my bubble. I don't even want Austin in my bubble. It's it's true. It's like, I'll get home sometimes. She'll be like, just stay in there. Then she'll help me. 
she'll hit me real hard. You know, you started off this episode being real nice to me. <laughs> then I re- then you reminded me that you made me watch the entire musical of Cats <laughs> while I was trapped underneath our sleeping cat. I didn't make you watch the whole thing. He got up after a while and you stayed. Actually, we at one point we were complaining about one of the many hour-long dance breaks in that musical. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh my god, it's going forever. And he's like, you know, we can just fast forward through it. I said, no, we are in this. Mm-hmm. Also, though, I still stand by Gus the theater cat should have been taken to the heavy side layer, not Grizabella. Yeah, her, she has a great theory on Grizabella that let me think, oh my god, she's right. All right, so Gus the theater cat is clearly well-liked. And he's actually very sad now. Like, he's genuinely sad, and he's he's old, he's sick, and clearly other cats care about him, and he's just, he's living in the past. So Grizabella is the same. Grizabella is old and sad and living in the past, but nobody likes her. So she was Grizabella the glamour cat, which makes me think that she was a nasty, nasty bitch to everybody so they avoid her not because she's old and ugly but because she was mean and so now she's wanting this sympathy and her story is literally i was beautiful then back then think of how beautiful i was while gus's is i was a part of this really big movement and things are different now and i don't really understand it and i respect it but i i can't i can't i don't understand this world i'm in and he wants out and he needs out and she's just like I'm ugly now. And they're like, yeah, go away. We don't like you because you're mean. So that's my thought. And this guy wasn't even Ian McKellen swaying me. No. <laughs> oh, Ian McKellen. I hope he's okay. I mean, I haven't heard anything, so that's gonna yeah. Oh my god, but the guy who played Ted on Scrubs died this week. Of cancer, not coronavirus. Of cancer, not coronavirus. I'm like, that's a bummer. I liked that dude. He was he was funny. Funny and talented. Oh, that was, was uh his band was the... Oh, I don't remember their name, oh, but that, that... Was the, that was his actual group that was on the show. Mm-hmm. All right, well, we're bumming you out, so we're going to head out. So on that note... Class, class dismissed. dismissed.